Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Ah, then not. Even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Let me read that again. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Uh, you might find this hard to believe, but, uh, but every now and again I make a mistake. <laughs> sitting down for that song was a mistake, wasn't it? By, oh, I, was, I was sitting there, we were singing Man of Sorrows, and I thought, what am I doing? This is anthemic, we should be standing. I just wanted to jump up and go, yes, Jesus is risen. Uh, just wonderful. Uh, thank you to the music team for uh, introducing that new song to us. Before we begin, though, uh, you would have received one of these uh, when you came in. Uh, How Would You Fix the World? It's beginning, it's a new sermon series beginning in a couple of weeks. We've been asking friends, family, whoever will listen, how they would fix the world. Uh, and we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about some of the top responses uh, beginning the 19th of May. We're looking at some of the top responses are fix people, fix politics. Uh, and also, a lot of people have said, can, we, can the world be fixed? 
Uh, and then we'll also be looking uh, in the last week about what the world should be like. Uh, there's also a lot more of those on the back table if you want to hand them to friends. There's also posters near the, uh, the entrance uh, if you know somewhere where you can uh, put those up. Well, uh, no claim, I think, that Christianity makes is more radical than the claim that we're celebrating today. That is the claim that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Every day as Christians, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but on Easter Sunday, every year we focus on it particularly. But why is the resurrection so important? Can't we just kind of do without it? Can't we focus on some of the other nice things about Christianity and kind of push the resurrection to the side? Can't we have a a kind of a less mystical, less paranormal kind of Christianity which doesn't require us to believe that some guy 2,000 years ago came back to life? Well, some people opt for that kind of religion, that kind of Christianity, but in, Paul, but in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jacob read for us, Paul is writing to Christians who believe that there's no such thing as the resurrection. And he says that Christianity without the resurrection is actually utterly meaningless. Well, we're going to look this morning at 1 Corinthians 15 and see why the resurrection is so central to our faith and what it means. Paul says right at the beginning of uh, the chapter that he wants to remind the the Christians in Corinth of the gospel, of the good news about Jesus, of the good news that they were saved by believing in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. What is absolutely central to the good news about Jesus, Paul asks? Well, first of all, in verse 3, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What is of first importance then? Of first importance is that Jesus really died. He didn't uh, sort of become unconscious. He was dead. He was really actually dead. Roman soldiers were experts at making sure people were, uh, who were being executed were really dead. When Jesus was being executed, there were some others executed with him who hadn't quite died yet. And so the soldiers broke their legs to speed them on their way. But when they got to Jesus, they noticed that he was already dead. But just to make sure, they drove a spear into his side so that blood and water flowed out. One fascinating but disturbing theory for why the blood and the water uh, flowed out from uh, Jesus' body comes from one person's experiments with cadavers, that is, with dead bodies, And they found that severe non-penetrating chest injuries are capable of producing internal bleeding in the space between the ribs and the lungs. So as much as two litres of blood can form in the chest cavity, basically. After death, that blood settles out into two layers, a bottom layer of a deep red liquid and on the top an almost clear liquid. Jesus beating at the hands of the soldiers before his crucifixion, his flogging, probably would have been enough to lead to that internal bleeding, the gathering of the blood in the chest cavity. And so when he was stabbed with the spear and those two liquids flowed out, it was showing that he was really truly dead, that the blood only separated out after death. 
To be honest, the, uh, the exact physiology of, uh, of what happened is hard to nail down. But the point is this. The Roman soldiers checked to make sure Jesus was dead, and he was. But he didn't just die. Paul says he was also buried. He lay in the tomb from the evening of Good Friday until Easter Sunday morning. Surprisingly then, Paul says about the resurrection, one of the most important things about the resurrection is that Jesus really died. Why is it so important to know that Jesus died? It's important to know because if he didn't die, he didn't rise from the dead either. But also if he didn't die, then he didn't pay the penalty demanded for our rejection of God. See, Paul says Jesus didn't just die, he died for sins. He died to take our penalty. He didn't primarily die as an example to us of how much we should give up for other people. He didn't even primarily die to show how much God loves us. As we saw on Good Friday, for those who are here, Jesus died in our place. He died the death meant for us. He took the punishment meant for us. He took the hell meant for us. And if we trust him, his death becomes our death. God sees us as if when Jesus died, we died with him. As if when Jesus was cursed, we were cursed. As if when Jesus was punished, we were punished. He died for our sins so that we might go free. Something had to be done to deal with the injustice that we had perpetrated against God. Something had to be done about the injustice that we perpetrate against each other. If Jesus didn't die, we're still God's enemies. If Jesus didn't die, we're still under the sins of death. If Jesus didn't die, we still deserve hell. And if Jesus didn't die, there is no hope. What's the most important thing to say about the resurrection? First of all, it's that Jesus died. That he really died, that he died for our sins. But second, Jesus not only died and was buried, he also rose from the dead. Verse 3, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, but also that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Jesus died, he was buried, but he was raised. And he was seen by lots of people. He appeared to the Apostle Peter. He appeared to the rest of the disciples. He appeared in different uh, episodes to, uh, to over 500 people, most of whom were still living when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, which meant that if they wanted to know for sure whether their testimony was true, these Corinthian Christians could go and ask, did it really happen? Did you really see the risen Christ? Yes, I saw him risen. The risen Jesus appeared to James, Jesus' brother. Last of all, he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul was setting out to seek out Christians to kill, to persecute, to put to death. 
And there on that road, the risen and ascended Jesus appeared to Paul. And at that moment, Paul was convinced that the Jesus that he thought was a sham was actually the real deal. It wasn't that Paul had this overwhelming sense of peace that kind of waved over him. It wasn't that he, he, he suddenly thought, what am, I, what am I doing? You know, I, I, my, my life has more purpose if I go this other direction. What convinced him of the truth of Christianity was he saw Jesus risen from the dead. The second most important thing to say about the resurrection is that it really happened. Jesus really died, but he also really rose from the dead. It didn't just happen in the minds of the disciples. It didn't just happen in their dreams. It didn't just happen in their hearts. They didn't just kind of band together and say, well, Jesus is dead, but he lives on in us. As if that changes anything. No, it really happened. And it's absolutely crucial. You see, we don't trust Jesus because it works, because it makes us feel better, because it makes our lives run more smoothly, or because it makes us feel less guilty. We trust Jesus because he's been raised from the dead. Paul says that's of first importance, and Christianity doesn't work without it. Christianity does work, it does make sense, it does make sense of our world and our lives, it does bring peace and joy and hope, it does all those things, that's true. But those are not the most important things. The most important thing is that Jesus rose from the dead. And if he didn't, then this whole thing is a sham. We're pitiful, foolish, deceived people living a terrible lie. Verse 16, Paul says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. When people talk about religion these days, they talk about it in these terms. Well, if it helps you, then go for it. You do that. I remember when I left my job to become a pastor, most of the people I worked with uh, didn't believe in Christianity. Uh, They were either agnostic, none of them were really kind of virulent atheists, But everybody I told that I was going to become a Christian minister said to me, well, good for you, Carl. That is just fantastic. You see, it doesn't matter when people think about religion, whether it works, whether it's true or not. What matters is that it works for you. Religion just becomes another therapy, an alternative medicine. Alain de Botton uh, is an atheist writer and philosopher And he wrote a book a few years ago called Religion for Atheists. The point of his book was that even though atheists don't believe, there is still um, uh, many helpful elements of religion that that can be used. He points out that in religion you can find community. Religion also teaches people right and wrong. It teaches people to cope with life. In religion there's even a helpful sense of awe and transcendence. He recommends building uh, temples, secular temples, uh, and, uh, and Shakespeare and other people becoming saints of secular religion. But the Bible says it doesn't matter how useful it is, if it's not true, 
it ought to be thrown in the bin. Paul says if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it doesn't matter if it works or not. It's just a lie and we should be pitied. We should close down this church and turn it into, I don't know, a tennis court or something. But what would we do? And where would we turn to? I was thinking this week, what, what would do you actually do? You see, if the resurrection isn't true, then it's not just Christians who should be pitied, but actually everybody. Because what's the point of life? Where's the hope? Where's the joy? Where's the meaning? We're just meaningless jumbles of cells living an essentially meaningless life, life, temporary lives. It's like watching those nature documentaries. You know those nature documentaries, uh, the, the Richard Attenborough ones? Particularly you see it in the lives of insects and stuff like that. And there's those insects that just live to breed. Uh, you know, and they hatch from their shell, whatever it is, and they grow up and they become a, you know, an adult evil-looking insect. Uh, you know, and finally they mate. And the woman turns around and bites the guy's head off. And that's it. And that's, it. that's the end of him. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then that's, our, that's the story of our lives. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what's the point? Frankly, What's the most important thing to say about the resurrection? First of all, it's that Jesus died, that he really died, and that he died for sins. Second of all, it's that he really rose from the dead. Third, it's that it happened just as God said it would happen. A number of times, Paul repeats through, the, through this chapter that these things happened according to the scriptures, according to what had been written down. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised according to the scriptures. Jesus didn't just kind of turn up on the scene unexpectedly, die and rise again, and everyone went, well, that's interesting. Perhaps we'll follow him. It didn't just happen. It didn't just come out of left field. God announced it beforehand. God said it would happen. Not so clearly, if you like, that it could be faked, that someone could come along and go, see, that's me, that person, that's me. I did all those things, not so clearly that it could be faked, but clearly enough that looking back we can see, yes, all those things did come to fulfilment in Jesus Christ. I'm always suspicious of telemarketers, who isn't, frankly. But you get all these phone calls these days, don't you, where people ask for personal details and they want to know, uh, you know, they say they give leading questions uh, like they do in court. Uh, you're with Telstra, aren't you? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. <laughs> Who's asking? I never give out personal details on the phone and I rarely answer any of the, those questions, but companies are becoming savvy to that. Legitimate companies, like your own bank and your own health fund and all that kind of stuff. They realise that people won't answer their questions if they just ring up. And so these days, you might have had it as well, they send you an email or a letter in the mail beforehand and they say... We're changing our policies and we're going to ring you and we want to talk about it. And because they've told you beforehand that they're going to call, when they do call, you go, ah, oh, that's right, I was expecting this. 
You don't know everything that they're going to say, all the questions that they're going to ask. You don't know when they're going to call. But you know enough that when they do call, you know that that's the person who was promised. And it's the same with Jesus. God said it beforehand so that when he came, people said, yes, that's right. God said that would happen. And look, it has. Jesus' death and resurrection didn't come out of nowhere. God announced it beforehand so that we could trust Jesus. What's the most important thing to say about the resurrection? First, it's that Jesus died. Second, it's that he really rose from the dead. Third, it's that it happened just as God said it would happen. But last of all, last of all, it's that because because Jesus rose from the dead, whoever believes in him will be raised as well. Because Jesus rose from the dead, whoever believes in him will be raised as well. Some of the people in Corinth were saying that there was no such thing as the resurrection. But Paul shows that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we know that those who trust him will be raised as he was raised. Verse 20, But Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Just as one man, Adam, sinned once and plunged the whole world into misery and death, in the same way, just by the resurrection of one man, everyone who trusts in him is freed from the power of death. Paul says Jesus is like the first fruits of the crop, that first fruit on the tree that you see and you know that the harvest is coming. I love spring in Tasmania. It's the only thing I like about Tasmania, but no, that's not true. But I love spring in Tassie because there's all those trees. I think they're kind of a wattle tree. We have them out on the road up here and they're uh, up on the road near, near uh, Queechee High School. But there's all these trees that lie dormant through winter. But then spring hits and one day you're driving along and you, and you see just one tree One tree all on its own has suddenly come out in flower and these bright yellow flowers just seem to have covered it. And the moment you see that one tree, you think to yourself, it's only a matter of time before all those other trees as well are covered in those amazing yellow flowers. Out of the long, dormant, cold winter of sin and death, one man has come to life, Jesus Christ God's son. And one, everyone who trusts in that one man will come to life again too. We see his resurrection and we know that winter is over and spring is coming. We see that one resurrection and we know that because he rose from the dead, even if I die, I'll be raised from the dead too because I trust in him. It's so important that Jesus was really raised from the dead because he was ra- if he was raised from the dead, that gives us hope as well. Well, it's been a horrifying week uh, or so to hear the story of that plane crash in the Alps where the uh, co-pilot took control of the aircraft and deliberately crashed it into the mountains. Uh, It's horrifying, isn't it, to watch the news and to read the papers 
And it's horrifying to think that the actions of one man could mean death for so many people. But it's horrifying as well, I think, if we're honest, because not too far away from us is always that thought, well, that could have been my plan, couldn't it? And if it couldn't have been our plane, it could have been us on the road. We could have been the one driving down the highway when the drunk driver came across the road and ploughed headfirst into the, into the car. We could have been the one diagnosed with cancer. A friend of mine recently lost a family member. She was a doctor. She came home from work one day. She said to her husband, I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to sleep on the sofa tonight. In the morning, her child woke up and found her dead on the lounge. She was a doctor. And she didn't see the tragedy coming. I always cheer myself in my imagination. In my imagination, I always succeed. I always manage to find my way out of death. I mean, manage to cheat my way out of death. I think, well, if, I, if I'm suffering a heart attack, I'll know. And I'll, and I'll be able to call the ambulance and I'll get there in time. In a world where death is all around us, resurrection is a powerful hope. And because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we know that it's not a vain hope. It's not a sham. And if he rose, we'll rise too, if we trust in him. Well, you might be convinced that Jesus really rose from the dead, uh, and you might want to share in his powerful resurrection from the dead uh, and know that death has been defeated and that if you die, uh, it's not the end. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. Uh, and if you want to pray along with me in your own heart and your own mind, then uh, feel free to do that. Uh, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus really died. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he died the death that I deserved to die. I believe that he was forsaken so that I might never be. I believe that Jesus really rose from the dead, just like you said he would. I trust him. I trust that when he died, I died. I trust that when he rose, I rose with him. Help me to trust him more and more every day. Help me to know that I belong to you. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.